I want to share some things with you this morning that I believe the Lord would have us to share. We started in uh, Matthew chapter 12 last week, and we'll finish that up right now. Um, we started talking, if you didn't, uh, if you weren't here last week, go to the website, listen to uh, last week's message. I believe that uh, I got a I got an email from somebody that wasn't here last Sunday, and by Sunday night they had listened to the message and w- was, was talking to me about what God was saying. It was wonderful. So uh, do that. It's there and posted and ready for you to hear. But we are in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 22 through verse 45. And uh, we got about uh, two-thirds of the way through last week. And I just want to finish up here. And then, uh, then we'll have one more week that we'll talk about this issue of maintaining spiritual freedom. And uh, maybe one or two more weeks in the middle of that, uh, Nettie Storm will be with us. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, not, I think it's not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that Nettie will be with us. And you don't want to miss her. She's a great woman of God and uh, has traveled all over the world in ministry. And uh, it amazes me, you know, we're, we're, you, you realize Church of Living Water in the larger scope of things, kind of an obscure place in the earth. Fresno is kind of an obscure place in the earth for all that matter. I mean, it's Fresno after all. I've had people say, where the heck is Fresno? You know, so we're just kind of an obscure church in an obscure place in the middle of, a, uh, of the valley. And, and, and uh, it, it amazes me when someone who's traveled all over the world, like, like uh, Robert and Wendy Burbat and, and like Nettie Storm, will come because God has a word for Fresno. God has a word for Church of Living Water. But the Bible says that God is raising up the obscure. If you, you look that up. He raises up the obscure, and, and it is in the midst of the obscure that he's going to do great things. And so we'll just let him. Amen? So get your Bibles. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It contains many great and precious promises for me. I am who the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I will study the word and live according to it because the living word of God is at work in me. Oh, and before before we get into the word this morning, I want us to do something really quick. I I, uh, remembered that uh, I introduced Robert and Wendy, the pastors in, in, at Freedom House in Santa Cruz, to Greg Terry several months ago, and they asked him to come, and Greg's preaching in Santa Cruz today. So, so Father, move in Santa Cruz. Today, move over the ministry that Greg is doing. Uh, we invest, we're invested in Greg, Lord, and in his ministry, and we ask that you'd move in what's going on in Santa Cruz today and bless in Freedom House. Father, bring freedom in Freedom House today and, and bless Robert and Wendy and bless the work there and let somebody be set free in Santa Cruz today and let somebody be blessed in your presence uh, this afternoon and uh, this, this morning as they continue and, and complete their time uh, within your presence today. And we give you praise for that in the name of Jesus. All right. We're going to pick up with, we talked, started last week talking about principles to maintain spiritual freedom. I'm not going to review um, last week. It's on the website and you can go get it and catch up if you didn't get a chance to. But we were talking about this, this issue in Matthew chapter 12. And I want us to pick up today in verse 33. We're going to start there and go on where Jesus is having this conversation with these folks. And he's just told them that 
A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. They accused him of using Satan to cast out devils. And, and this is the conversation. We're coming into the middle of that conversation in verse 33, and that discourse where Jesus says, and we'll read through to the end and then we'll, uh, we'll go on. Uh, verse 33, Jesus says, Either make a tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, uh, brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So let's stop right there. I was going to read to the end, but I think I want to stop right there. Verse 33 through 37, and we'll focus on that for a minute. We're talking about maintaining spiritual freedom. Whenever, um, whenever God moves in your life and he sets you free, you saw in the temptation of Jesus that the scripture says that the enemy came and he tempted Jesus. And then the scripture says that Jesus was successful in that experience and he goes on and he enters public ministry but at the end of that there's a little obscure statement that not a lot of people pay much attention to but it says the enemy departed from him for a season so it's important for you to understand that when you take authority in your life and you tell the devil to get out he has to go but he's going to come back and see if you mean it amen steve He's going to come back. He's going to find out if you mean what you say. And so those of you that have dealt with addiction and, and, and those kinds of things, you realize and you understand that there was a process involved in telling the enemy, get out of here. He comes back and you say, no, 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 I said, get out of here. And he comes back again a month later and you go, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you not understand me the first time in the name of Jesus? Get out of here. And that's this process of maintaining freedom. There has to come on the part of the believer a determination to stay free. You see, the Bible says in God, I don't want to get into a big theological discussion here, but in God, I'm preaching, I don't want to get into a theological discussion, isn't that amazing? In God, the word says, whom the Son has made free is free indeed. So when he saves you and he looks at you, he says to the devil, hey, this one over here, he's free. I've set him free. He's free indeed. It's, a, it's, it's called sanctification. It's what God does. He sets people free. Well, then he comes to you and he goes, I've set you free, honey. Now you've got to stay free. So you get the opportunity to stay free or invite him back in. We're going to read a little bit about that in a minute. But what Jesus was saying here to them, because they were saying, you know, you're doing these works that you're doing, you're doing by the power of the enemy. And he says, no, no, no. Let's either make a tree good or let's make it evil. You decide, is this a good tree or is this an evil tree? Because it can't be both. You either, you either decide right now, are you going to walk with Jesus or are you not going to walk with Jesus? Are you going to have a blessed life 
or not. We talked a little bit last week about double-mindedness and, and double-minded man being unstable in all of his ways. I'll try not to go back into all that. But um, Joshua 24, 15, we referred to last week. He says uh, to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of your fa- that your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... As for me and my... See, when I, when I stay, say that as a pastor of this church, let me, let me help you with something. I've said that over my house at home, and I've said that over my house at church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to walk with God. And so he says, he says you, you get to choose. Choose, you, you choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It goes on and says, let me get a couple of other passages of Scripture here. James chapter 3 and verse 11 will tell you this way. Bitter and sweet water should not come out of the same fountain. You understand that in the, in the old days, when somebody would have a well, if they wanted to drive someone out of their land, all they'd come and do is poison the well. Poison the well, nobody can live there. In order for you to maintain your freedom, whenever the enemy is driven out, you need to understand that the Holy Spirit, clean and unclean, holy and unholy, cannot dwell in the same house. I've shared this story before. I'm going to share it again. Uh, one of the ministers that I was listening to sharing this story about he got invited. To, some folks were having some uh, evil manifestations in their house and the enemy was coming against them and they were believers. And, and they said, oh, pastor, would you just come over and pray for us and help us figure out what's going on? So he goes over to their house and he's pre- he, they, they greets them and, and he, says, as he said, let's have a word of prayer. And as he prays, the Holy Spirit says, just walk through the house. I just want you to walk through the house and I'll show you what the problem is. So he walks through the house and he's praying room by room and he gets to one room and he opens the door and there is just every kind of evil thing in that room. It's a teenager's room and all the music that the teenager had had chosen and all these posters of all these Satan worshiping music groups and all this is up on the walls and everything. And he looks at the parents and he says, what's this? Oh, that's our son's room. We don't go in there. Wait, but wait a minute. This, This room is in your house. And I thought you said that as for me and my house. Oh yeah, but, but we, we, we respect his privacy and, and so on. And so that's his room and he gets to have what he wants in there. And he, we just close that door and we don't worry about that. Well, that's what's manifesting up all in your house. Yes, absolutely. And they said, well, what should we do? And he said, you let it in, you get it out. My work's done here. You let it in, you get it out. As for me and my house... We'll serve the Lord. So you can't, so, so that applies in the natural. That also applies in the spiritual. So whenever you say yes to Jesus, when it, the, the Bible says that the way of a transgressor is hard. So whenever you say yes to Jesus, but then you begin to transgress against the things that he tells you will bring blessing into your life, you are creating for yourself a hard way. You say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive me my sin. And I'll come and I'll walk with you and I'll serve you. I want, I want you in my life. 
But right now, it's Friday night. And my friends are inviting me. So, Jesus, you just stay right there. Here's my Bible. It's on the shelf. You just stay. I'll be right back. Are you following this? And so then you go into environments where God cannot go and where God cannot dwell. There were environments, if you study the history of Israel, as they carried that ark upon their shoulders, there were places that ark was to never go. Because the presence of God cannot dwell in an unclean temple. They had entire, uh, entire pictures drawn for them in ceremonial cleansings and washings and all that yeah. stuff. It was a picture of Jesus washing the believer so that the Spirit of God could come and dwell. So whenever we, if we want to maintain our freedom, then we cannot go back into unclean environments and invite the Lord to dwell with us in that place. You see, the Holy Spirit's wonderful. He won't leave you or forsake you. But if you open a door, He won't close it for you. You have to do that. You have to be deliberate about deciding who you're going to let up, up in your life. serious so in order to maintain your freedom he says either make the tree good or make it evil make a decision about your you don't have bitter water and sweet water coming up out of the same fountain so we just uh, read in uh, verse 35 a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. A tree is known by its fruit. Now I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you some practical understanding right here. You see someone that says, oh, I, 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 I know God and I'm walking with Jesus. But the fruit of their life is that they're angry and they're bitter and they're mean and they're nasty or they're sensual and they're ungodly in their lifestyle. Don't believe a word of it. It ain't true. Oh, pastor, you're being judgmental. No, I'm not. I'm not. A tree is known by its fruit. You cannot have the joy of Jesus in your life for very long, for more than a day or two, that you're not dealing with and getting rid of some of that anger and bitterness and frustration and all that stuff that makes you evil, wicked, mean, and nasty. The love of Jesus will route that stuff out of your life. Now, nobody's perfect. I, I get that. But a short time with Jesus, and you will begin to see that more good comes up out of that tree than all that stuff. The old man is supposed to be dead. So if somebody says they've been walking with God for 20 years and they're still as mad as they were when they met Jesus the first time, they didn't get anything. Come on. I'm going to make somebody mad. They didn't get anything. My Bible tells me that a tree is known by its fruit. And if the fruit of that life is frustration and anger and bitterness and meanness and nastiness and evil and wickedness, if the, if the fruit of that life is that, that ain't Jesus. That root is not Jesus. Because if the root was Jesus, the fruit 
would be different. The fruit would be something you could pick and eat and enjoy. The fruit would be something that you could taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, that pastor down at Church of Living Water is a hard man. No, I'm just preaching the word to you. You can do with it. You can do with it. You can do with it what you want to do. A man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So if evil things coming up out of him, Jesus said he's an evil man. If good things are coming up out of him, he's a good man. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man speaks, he'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you're justified, and by your words you're condemned. So he's saying, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks what's in. The, what, you know what? I, if, if one of my kids has a bad attitude, all I have to do is hang out with him for just a few minutes, have a little bit of a conversation, and I'll find out what spirit is behind what's going on. Just a little conversation. Because before long, right up out of the heart, right up out of the heart, there'll come an expression. And I'll immediately be able to look at them and say, well, that ain't coming from Jesus. Where's that coming from? What, what, where do you think that's coming from? Where's that bitterness coming from? Where's that unforgiveness coming from? Where's that hurt coming from? Where's that, that uh, um, selfishness coming from? It doesn't take long to identify that it's not the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah, y'all are quiet. So in order to maintain your freedom in God, you have got to make a determination that what is going to come up out of your life is going to be from Jesus. If you do that, then whenever you see things, the way, you, the way that you deal with this stuff is that when you see something coming up out of your attitude, coming up out of your mouth, coming up out of your life, that is not the fruit of righteousness, whenever you see this, you immediately address it. Don't be willing to wait. Are you with me? There has to come an aggressiveness. There has to come. There has to come an aggressiveness in the body of Christ that we will aggressively look at ourselves in light of his word and in light of what the Holy Spirit will say to us. And when he speaks to us and he says to us, this is not for me or that attitude is not the little frame of mind you got there. That's not from me. We've got to, the Bible says that David was a man who was quick to repent. You know, when uh, David had, was it Uriah? David had him killed and took his wife and, and, and bore a son with her and, and all of that came to light. And, and uh, the prophet came before David and he said, David, I want to tell you something. He said there was a man who had plenty, had everything. Sheep, all, all these sheep. He was a man of plenty, great substance. And there was a very poor man who only had a few. And the man of great substance, who could have had anything he wanted, went and took the prized sheep, the prized lamb, of the man who only had a little. And David said, where is that guy? I'm going to rip him up. I'm going to let him have it. You show me who he is. And the prophet said, you're the man. 
And the minute that the prophet said, you're the man, David realized, as a king, I have the entire kingdom before me. I could have had any woman in the kingdom I wanted. I could have had anybody I wanted. But I took Uriah's wife. He only had one. And the minute that he realized that and came to terms with the reality of his own sin, he went before God and he said, God, forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry I've done this thing. And he laid before the Lord and he wept. And as you read that story, even when judgment was to come against David and, and, and he was given options of judgment and he said, Lord, you know best. You just do. You, you do. Do whatever's right. In your, I submit myself to you. The church has got to get to the place, believers have got to get to the place that whenever we find ourselves in a place of error, in a place of disobedience, that we go lay before the Lord, we say, Lord, whatever it takes, route this mess out of my life. Quit being afraid of God's judgment. Quit, stop being afraid of God's spanking and God's discipline. Discipline is no fun. Uh Uh-uh. The Bible says... That for a season, it's very uncomfortable. But the fruit of it, the, the, the outcome of it, when you know that Father loves you so much, He would never want to destroy you. He doesn't want to humiliate you publicly. He doesn't want everybody to know the stuff that you've got swept up in your closet. He doesn't want everybody to know how evil that you've been in your life or how many bad choices you've made. He doesn't want everybody to know all the secrets of your heart. When, you, when they're revealed in His presence... And you lay before him and you say, Oh God, there's nothing in me that's hidden from you. I'm submitted to you. You do what is best. Then trust him and let him do don't be afraid of don't be afraid of the Father. Some of y'all have had really mean daddies and created fear in relationship to your your understanding of fatherhood. Some of you had no father at all. And so you don't understand that Father loves you and that he doesn't want to be in any way destructive to you at all. He wants you to be established. But the Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give good gifts to his kids. I love Christmas at my house. Oh, let me tell you. I love giving good gifts to my kids. It's a joy. And Joy said, amen. (laughs) Amen, Daddy. Let Christmas come. My little kids have said, can we do this twice a year? That whole Christmas in July idea, that's wonderful. Amen. All right. So we have to make a decision that we are going to deal quickly with issues that don't look like Jesus come up out of our life. Insecurity, insecurity, insecurity. Self-consciousness is not from God. Self-consciousness means that you're not being God-conscious. So get over that insecurity stuff. You're a child of the king. Get in the word and get over it. Get past it. That's free. Okay, verse 38. Interesting here. He had just healed a, a... a man um, that was both blind and dumb, and he was set free of his demon possession, and his blind eyes were healed, and he could speak. 
And then they said, certain of the scribes and Pharisees said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. (laughs) I love Jesus' response. But he answered and he said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given them but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they did not repent at the preaching of jo- or because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, greater than Jonah is here. Queen of the South shall rise in judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, greater than Solomon is here. So Jesus is saying, I'm sitting here telling you the truth. Greater than, jo- greater than Jonah is here and greater than Solomon is here and, and y'all aren't able to receive it and those people are going to rise in judgment against you because they received the wisdom and the preaching of their generation. So he says to them, so, so he says to them, you haven't received me, so you're going to stand in judgment because you've rejected your opportunity. So this is where the scripture says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Let's be quick to respond to God's move in our life. Because if we're not quick to respond, whenever, the, whenever we get the house swept and the enemy comes back knocking to see if we're serious about our decision, if we're not quick to address it, we leave a crack in the door. And he goes, and it goes on and tells us what happens. Let's read that, and then we'll be, we'll be done today. Uh, verse 43 says, When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest, and he finds none. We're in verse 43. And then he says, I'll return to my house from where I came out. And when he's come and he finds it empty, swept, and garnished, he goes and he takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Boy, they were not liking him right there. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't waste words. But he says, this is what happens. You get freed up from that evil spirit and you get him out of there and the house is swept and garnished. It's prepared for a new habitation. How many love remodeled houses? The house is prepared for a new habitation. But unless a new habitation is given, unless you make opportunity for a new habitation, the old stuff will come and move back in. That's what he's saying, right? are Are you missing that or are you getting that? And the old stuff will move back in with some friends. Hey, they've cleaned up this house. They've remodeled. They've added a couple of rooms. Let's go fill this place up. And the latter situation is worse than before. Some guy who gets devils cast out of him. Now, that's the, that's, this is the extreme. We'll just go to the extreme here because that's what he's talking about. Some guy who's full of devils gets the devils cast out of him. If he doesn't get Jesus fill in those places in his heart and get serious about the things of God, the outcome for him is worse later because the way of the transgressor is hard. He was given, oh, 
it really hurts my heart. People, are, people in our generation who are given the opportunity for freedom, whom the Son makes free is free indeed, and they reject the opportunity of freedom. My mother-in-law will not mind me sharing this story, a mutual acquaintance of ours. I prayed for one time, uh, uh, and I, I was saying, Lord, set this man free, set this man free, set this man free. Oh, God, set him free, set him free. And the Lord, I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop. It's not often that God gets indignant with me, but I heard the indignant voice of the Holy Spirit say, stop. This big old stop sign comes up in front of my face, and I say, stop. I'm praying for someone's freedom. He said, stop. And I said, he said, don't ask me that again. And I said, why? Help me understand why. Why would I not ask for someone's freedom? And immediately the Lord showed me a picture of a jail cell with a bed against the wall. And you know how you ever been to the county jail, you see there's a little toilet and a <laughs> sink and a, and, and a cot. And the door is standing open and a man is sitting on the cot. And the Holy Spirit says, quit asking me to set him free. I've, the door is open. And he's staying in there because he wants to stay in there. Most people who've had an opportunity for freedom that don't come out of their bondage, the door is open. They're staying there because they want to. There's a lot of folks who are carrying chains around. There's no locks on them. They're just still carrying around the chains because they haven't come to the understanding that there is a decision. The, the Holy Spirit will set you free. We lay hands on somebody and devils will come out of them. But they have to want to be free. So folks who are, folks who are um, under, uh, under some kind of bondage, who are in addictions and all those kinds of things, we pray for them, we lay hands on them, we speak to them, uh, we give them the word of the Lord, and, and the Lord says you're free. And then the minute that they feel that gnawing in their heart to go light up again, they think, oh, I must have not got it. No. He's coming back to see if you're going to let him back in. That's what's going on. That's what that desire is. That's what that gnawing desire is. When Robert and Wendy were here, there was a word of knowledge that there were three or four people in the room that day. There was a lot more people here that day than they're here today. There was a word of knowledge that there were two or three or four people that were dealing with issues of pornography. And that the Lord wanted to minister deliverance to them. And so, when he, when he expressed that, that evening and gave that call, it, it was an open call for people who were dealing with issues of pornography or for people who were dealing with any other issues. We're very intentional about, about not embarrassing anyone. So that was included in a general call and about 30 people came forward in that first call. So I don't know who was in that line that was there for one thing or the other. But the reality of it is when that person goes home and they sit down to check their email, I guarantee you that in that moment there was this right here. Click over there on that other search engine. That was the enemy coming back. And that person, if that person is wise, they'll say, no, 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 no. I done dealt with this. We're done. I told you to get out of here. But if they're not wise, they'll say, oh, 
must have not got what I thought I got because that pull is still there. And they just go on, click right on over, and on they go. If I was a person that was dealing with that kind of, of bondage, this is what I would do. I would get a lock on my computer with a password that I did not know, and I would get someone else to check my email and print it out for me, and I would handwrite the response and have them go return my emails. And until I was free and knew I was free and had overcome that mess, I would never touch that computer again. See, that's a person who's serious about getting free. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. Everybody communicates with email. I've just got to have my email. No, you don't. The only thing you have to have is accountability and personal discipline. That's what you have to have. Accountability and personal discipline. And there's somebody in your life who loves you enough to help you be accountable. Oh, man. Are you guys ready to go home? The Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse uh, 3, for we, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You think you're going to whip the enemy out of your life by being practical in the, in, just in the flesh? The Holy Spirit does not expect you to do it alone. He expects to help you be free. But you've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit when he speaks and be ready to respond in a moment. It's individuals who push back against the warning of the Holy Spirit. It's individuals who push back against it whenever God is saying, no, 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 don't go there, don't do that. Don't, no, no, no. And their conscience becomes seared. And pretty soon, they can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Or they push it away so long, it's no longer hard to push it away. So when the house is swept, you've got to let the Lord fill that place. And you've got to push back from the enemy and not let him back in. I'm going to give you some closing scriptures. I want you to read them. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. You, you read them at home and study them. It says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Jude 1.20 says, but be, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourself up, Praying in the Spirit. Every time now, I, I've so massaged this in my own life that every time the enemy comes and I'm conscious that he comes to bring discouragement or that he comes to bring temptation or he comes to bring frustration, do you know what happens? I mean, the grocery store. How many times? My kids have told me, shh, Dad, 
Because I'm walking through the grocery store going, I'm building myself up. All of a sudden, I, I, I feel the least bit of discouragement. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'd just be walking through there going, Oh, Lord, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So if somebody says, what was that? I'm just going to say, oh, I was praying the Spirit. Can I, can I pray with you about something? Seriously, down in the food max. You know what? The Lord will show you the good deals if you'll be preparing in spirit. He'll lead you right to the sales. I got the coolest pair of pants the other day for $10 on a clearance rack. I never get stuff on clearance. I was just so, I, I was so happy. I'm having them hemmed. I'm having them hemmed right now. 